0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield, and this week's episode is all about picky eating. We sat down with Casey Barnes. She's a registered dietitian and a picky eating expert. Now, we've spoken a lot about introducing solids and feeding your kids more when they're like infants and introducing foods, but what do you do when your three-year-old or four-year-old or eight-year-old all of a sudden is rejecting classic spaghetti meatballs that you've been making for years, cough, cough, Ezra, cough. How do you approach this? What do you do? Do you make another meal? Do you just say, go to bed hungry? Do you offer them something else? Like How to approach picky eating is something that I personally have been struggling with in our home. Now my kids do eat very well and I'm not naive to that. I'm super grateful for their approach to food and like the diverse amount of Different fruits and veggies and all the things that they'll eat. But my kids are kids. They reject food that we make. They're very particular, very opinionated. And I'm so excited to be sharing this episode with Casey with you guys because she is so, so passionate about what she does. She's filled with knowledge. And she also just comes from like a judgment-free place in terms of how she approaches picky eating and feeding your family. So If you know of a friend who has some kids that are, you know, getting a little picky with their eating or they eat the same three food groups and they don't know what to do and the parents are getting frustrated, this episode is for them. Highly recommend listening. Share it with your friends. Subscribe and rate Just the Good Stuff if you are listening over on iTunes and subscribe if you're on Spotify as well. I can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode and I'm going to stop labeling now and we'll hop right on in. I'm good. We're all we're all in green. How funny! It's hysterical. And, oh wait, and you have a black hat on and headphones.
1: How come no one told me to put a hat on?
2: <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Wow, that's nice. never happened to me before.
0: This is so <laughs> funny. I'm so happy someone else got my uh, vibes this morning. With I my totally uh, did not washing my hair and exactly <laughs> this morning our nanny um called out, said she wasn't coming. And long story short, uh, I I was like, please come. Uh, like I I need you even if it's for two hours today. And I didn't get a chance to shower in the morning like I usually do. So I threw a hat on and that's just the look that we're going with today. Yeah. I don't Um, even have an excuse. I just didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay too. Uh, I was telling, I was filling Jordan in And a friend of mine that was here earlier about you, because I'm so excited to have this conversation and bring you on the podcast. And I saw you were just in New Jersey.
2: Yes, I'm from I'm from there. My mom lives in Howell now. Do you know where that is? It's like central. Yeah, I grew up in Manalpin, which is tiny. It's by Freehold. Yeah, I grew up in Hillsborough. Oh, I had a friend who lived there.
0: Yeah. Good old New Jersey. And you're you're in Florida now. Texas, Texas. Uh, what made you move to Texas?
2: We came here um, like eight, nine years ago. Um, for I came for graduate school at UT Southwestern, and then um, we just stayed. We had I I didn't know I was pregnant with Teddy when I started school. Surprise! And so, oh my gosh, we just you know, started our family and stayed.
0: I love it here. Where in Texas are you? Dallas. Okay. Nice. I've never been to Dallas. I've only been to Austin.
2: Austin's
0: much cooler to visit.
2: Like, Dallas is a good place to live. So, there's not a lot of fun, like, visiting kind of things to do. And the weather is terrible in the summer, but we like the rest of the You're summer. really, se- you're really
0: selling <laughs> it to me right now. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll have to, we'll have to go. One of my good friends is probably moving to Houston or Dallas. So, when she goes, Dallas is better than Houston. Houston. If, yeah, if, if she I. has any choice, I'll <laughs> let her know. That's Where good. are you? Where do you guys live? We're in Milburn, New Jersey. Oh, okay. So we're like seven minutes from the Short Hills Mall. Nice.
2: Yeah. My grandma lived in Union, and so she would take oh, me. Yeah,
1: there. right there.
0: Yeah. yeah. We're pretty close. It's like everyone knows the Short Hills Mall. So it's always like a good landmark to describe where, where yes. we live by. <laughs> um, but we moved here a year, about a year and three months ago. And we were in Hoboken before okay. this and then the city before that. So we just like slowly trickled into, into Suburbia. the suburbs. Yes. But I'm super excited to hop right on in because selfishly, I feel like I had so much pride while well, we had so much pride that our kids are such good eaters, and our four year old just has become a diva in and of itself when it comes to food. <laughs> no, um, the kid who would have like an omakase sushi will like give us a hard time about like anything and everything these days. So I thought that, like, selfishly, like, this is gonna be amazing. And then when I Posted about you coming on on Instagram. There were so many questions. And you we were filtering through them yesterday. I said to Jordan, like, how are we gonna even like get to all of this? Like, there's a lot, a lot of info. Is it? So let's dive right on in. And I'd love to kind of hear more about your background and what made you become the picky eating expert. Like, how did you get here?
2: Yeah. Okay. I got here because of my son. So I went back to graduate school for nutrition. Um, I used to work in like government policy and it was terrible. So I switched careers. So I'm a second career dietitian, but I knew I wanted to work with kids. And that's where I started with doing like private practice. But the second my son turned two, it was like he was the perfect eater as a baby. And then overnight, it just like he was just throwing everything off his tray. He didn't want anything anymore. And so that's when I was like, well, if anyone can figure this out, it's going to be me and I'm going (laughs) to figure it out. So that's when I was like, this is what I'm focusing on. I read all the books. I tried all the things and started working with other families on it because I was so passionate about it. You know, when you struggle with something you feel for people. And I just hated hearing comments like, Oh, if your kid is picky, it's your fault or um, you know, like just people thinking, "Oh, I I fed my kid everything and that's why they're not picky." And I'm like, "I did that too, and he's picky." So, that's what led me here.
1: So, why is picky eating such a big topic with toddlers and kids? Like what what makes a toddler picky and like why do they all go through that phase?
2: Yeah, developmentally, it's actually pretty interesting and I'm sure you have seen with your kids over the years that they enter that phase where they want to be more independent. They start saying no to things. And so that's a part of it. But there's also something called food neophobia, which is kind of just like fear of newness. So they actually can get afraid. And your child's temperament and their genes all play a part in this too. So you might just have an easygoing kid who. They might get like a little bit fussy about food, but not super, super fussy. But then you have kids like my son who are really set in their routine and they have a lot of fears in general, and so that can really easily play into food. So when you think about food, it's actually a really like sensory experience, and it's very intimate. You're putting something in your body, and so like if you have any sort of hesitations about what is this going to be like then that can feel really overwhelming. So they actually experience a real fear and it's kind of a sliding scale on where your kid might fall. And there's things we can do to make it a little bit better, things that we might do that make it a little bit worse. But all in all, like I always say this parents, like you didn't choose a picky life, the picky life chose you.
0: But what makes a child all of a sudden become picky? So Ezra, for example, would eat anything and everything uh, like I could put spinach in his quesadillas or he would want to just eat anything that was served to him on his plate. And then all of a sudden he just got opinionated and like very like particular where he won't like eat a meatball if it has tomato sauce on it and he won't look, he won't touch something if there's like a freckle of green, like why does that all of a sudden start?
2: Yeah, it's a developmental thing and they go through these different phases and then sometimes you just hit it and it can literally feel like overnight where it's almost like a personality changer like who is this person yeah. because you used to be so go with the flow my daughter she's five and yesterday she tells to me that she secretly likes cooked broccoli but she didn't want me to know and I'm like <laughs> why? <laughs> why so they have these weird things but Um, Like the food neophobia, for example, or just um, being uncomfortable with things that look different, that can come on pretty quickly the same way that all of a sudden they can start having like uh, my daughter when I first started dropping her off at preschool was fine. And then we went through a phase of separation anxiety, like this stuff kind of just happens. I wish I had a reason to tell you of like, you did this. And then that's why he became picky. Like if we could find the exact moment, but it usually is just part of their developmental stage. And then, like I said, if his personality is a little bit more like, you know, not super go with the flow, then sometimes this just happens.
1: So then is there like, uh, A specific age that most people that most children developmentally kind of get out of that picky eating phase?
2: What you'll see in the research is like age five is when they say it usually gets better. I don't necessarily see that in practice, especially the kids who are extremely picky. If they're just a little bit fussy, like the other thing, too, that we have to remember is like I don't feel like eating every food all the time either. So they're allowed to have preferences and We're the one who decides what they're going to eat. Like you get to choose what you're going to eat every day. And if someone else was serving you every day, you might not always want what they gave you. So we have to remember, too, that it's normal for them to have preferences. Um, But I think that like what you should see is as they become school age, them becoming a little bit more accepting of trying different things and being more flexible. Something that really helps, too, is them seeing their peers eat different foods And so if they're at school, sometimes they might be a little bit more adventurous. That doesn't always happen. But usually once they get more school age, they see their friends eating stuff. They want to try it. And so like around five, six can, but I still see families where they continue to struggle as their kid
0: hits that age. I almost feel like when Ezra started school, it did like the opposite effect for us where he would eat anything and everything. And then now he's seeing his friends having chicken fingers and, you know, cheddar bunnies all the time and like foods that, you know, we have in like moderation here and not every day. And it made him say like, well, I want, he calls them school chicken nuggets or I want this. Like, I don't want like what you're giving me. Just, oh, okay. Like. <laughs> Thank you. Also. <laughs> I know. We I feel like I out. had to
2: get so much more flexible when Teddy started uh, yeah. actual oh, yeah. school because preschool was fine, but mm-hmm. once he like, I I've gone and volunteered at school too to serve lunch. They have the parents help out yeah. with lunch, and when I see what these kids are eating, like it makes me a little bit sad as a dietitian because some kids' lunches will literally be like a bag of Doritos and a container of. I don't know, pudding, like (laughs) that's just what it is. And that's not stuff that I completely like avoid, but we just don't have it as much. So it definitely gets harder because that stuff is more exciting and interesting to kids.
0: Yeah. And it's also, I think the element of, oh, like I don't have this at my house. Like, what are you eating? Like, I get it's like, I guess like a comparison trap for at that age. Uh, what What do you do though? If your child, like the meatballs, for example, like Ezra would always like a, I don't want to say like a safety food, but a food that I always knew that he would eat would be like pasta with spaghetti and meatballs. And I felt like it was like nutritious and, you know, fueling for him. And now he like won't touch it. Like, do you recommend me keep just offering it to him or do you just respect, okay, he doesn't like meatballs, I'll know to make something else. Like, how do you kind of approach that? So
2: I usually say to continue serving the foods because if we don't give them an opportunity to eat it, then they're really not ever going to have it. And so it gets discouraging, though, like you keep serving it and they keep not wanting it. So at some point you say, why am I even doing this? So I encourage families to serve their kids at least a component of your meal. So maybe you guys will eat the spaghetti and meatballs. Okay, great. Still cook that. You can offer him one. We're not going to get too sad if he doesn't eat it because we know he's not super into it right now. But really not making a big deal about it is huge. So keeping the pressure at mealtime low is really important. And they're still going to usually get like if you're good about serving a variety of foods, they'll get what they need nutritionally over the course of two, three days. Like they'll kind of figure that out. If they're eating most food groups, like obviously if they start cutting out everything, we have some problems, but usually like I say that it even out evens out. So I don't stress too much. Like if they're not eating protein at this meal, they're probably going to get it a little bit later. So we can take the pressure off of ourselves for them to eat that at every meal. So for that exact question, like I would still serve the meatball knowing that he probably might not eat it, but you could also try doing smaller servings. So I recommend like the size of a pea or the size of a grain of rice of something, which is so teeny tiny, but sometimes just that start can feel less overwhelming to them and they might start there.
1: So, So is that like what you serve them on a plate or is that in addition to something else that you know they might be in the mood for or something that maybe is new to them?
2: Yeah. So I always like to have a safe food at a meal. That's something that they like and eat regularly. Sometimes they go off of those safe foods, but there's usually some things that you can count on. And like even myself, I like grilled cheese, but maybe I'm not always in the mood for grilled cheese. So if they refuse it once, we don't have to say it's not safe anymore. But so say spaghetti is safe, then we're going to serve them the spaghetti And then something that maybe is new or less liked will give along with that. You always want to make sure there's something that is filling that they generally like and eat at the meal. So you know that they can have an opportunity to fill up and you don't have to go get them something else because that ends up leading to problems if they're like, oh, no, I don't want this. And you say, "Okay, what
0: can I get you? And you start becoming this like servant. Well, that was like kind of a great segue to my next like question, which is, but I grew up in a house where my mom always had, we always had a home cooked meal, but she would like really cater to, I was a really, really picky eater and she would cater to my, my pickiness, my brother's, like we would have three to four different like dinners on the table. And I'm trying to do everything in my power to avoid that for our house. So how what what do you do if you or what do you recommend that a parent does or guardian if like you serve them their plate it has a safety food it has like you know a well-balanced meal of sorts and they're like i don't want this i wanted macaroni and cheese like do you just say because you're trying not to make meals i'm stressful so then you're like oh my god do i make you eat it like what do you what do you recommend
2: Yeah, it is hard because I know you want to see them eat and that feels like your job as a parent, right? And you don't want them to be 30 minutes later asking for something. So it's all about the routine and the expectations. And so I would serve the meal, tell them this is what's for dinner. If you don't want it, you don't have to eat and really mean that like they don't have to eat. But the consequence is there's not going to be something a little bit later. If they're really young, I'm not going to make them starve. I mean, I never suggest making a kid starve, (laughs) but like I will give them an opportunity. A lot of families like to leave a plate out after dinner in case they do decide to come back to it. You know, 15 minutes later, they might decide, oh, actually, I did want to eat this. So there's always some grace and wiggle room. But really having a set routine of meals and snacks throughout the day sets that expectation of like, this is when we're going to eat. I know that you really wish you had mac and cheese right now. Let me write that down so that we can have it tomorrow or Thursday. And I'll make sure you get that because I know you love it. But I'm sorry it's not on the menu
0: today. What about when they say, like, I don't want my dinner, my stomach hurts. And then 20 minutes later, they still don't want their dinner because we always leave it on the counter, too, because like, yeah, like whatever you change your minds, But then they go and take like a peanut butter cup out and all of a sudden their stomach doesn't hurt and you don't want like (laughs) dessert to be on this pedestal. But like, how do you like you didn't eat your dinner? You're not having dessert. Like, how does that work?
2: Yeah. So I the way I solve that in my house, because we totally have that, too, is that I have two options my kids can have after dinner. And that's it. Like if they want something to eat and it's past dinner time, they don't want what's left from their dinner. You can have a banana. You can have peanut butter. You can have a banana with peanut butter. Like those are your choices. So that way, it's not something super exciting like dessert. I usually serve with a meal, a serving of dessert with the meal so that it's Mm -hmm. not on that pedestal, like you said, and they don't have to do anything to earn it. But then, you know, you're hungry. I don't want you to go to bed hungry, but you can have banana.
1: So do they eat the the dessert first?
2: Sometimes it's uh, really interesting and fun for me. (laughs) I'm like this weird studier of kids eating. So my son will always eat the dessert first. He just has that sweet tooth and he loves it. My daughter won't and she doesn't even always eat the dessert. So part of it is their preferences. Some kids love sweets more than others and they're always going to want it. But usually what you'll see and what I find families will tell me is like, they'll see that their kid might not even finish the dessert or they kind of go back and forth. It's weird to us, right? Because we grew up like you eat your dinner and then you get your dessert. Like (laughs) they're not intertwined. But we see that it really works better with kids to say like, all right, we're going to take out that whole power struggle. I'm not going to require you to eat X bites because really, what's the point? Like, here's your cookie there's just one cookie. I'm not giving you more right now. You can have something else on your plate, but like, I don't care if you eat it first,
0: have a ball. (laughs) So you put the, say, say it's a cookie. So you put the cookie on the same plate as the dinner, or you just like have it on the table. Yeah. I'll put it on the same plate. So the way that I approach
2: dessert is like, try
1: this.
0: yeah, you should.
2: It's so cool because at first they're like, wait, what? Like I get to have my dessert now. And it can feel novel at first, so it takes a little time to settle into like, yeah, like I'm going to give you a treat every night. My kids now, they have it in their lunchbox. They look forward to it at lunchtime, and that's the thing. That's not the only time they ever get dessert. Like we will do more traditional dessert, especially maybe on the weekend. They go to a birthday party or whatever. So it's not like this is your only time ever, but having that as part
0: of the routine really helps to normalize it. So interesting because like our nanny usually gives our kids dinner between like the five to six o'clock window before she leaves. And then we sit down at six o'clock and we eat our dinner and they always have their dessert when we're eating our dinner because like it's our way of like having that like family camaraderie of sorts. Yeah. But that's interesting. I wonder if we should try that. Definitely on the weekends. We should try that when we're all having it together.
1: Yeah, I would be interested. And totally. I think our, I think our middle son Brody would probably eat the peanut butter cup and then demand more.
0: He eats our middle not. So he used to be like the pickier one when he was like first starting with food. Like hated avocado, hated everything. He eats everything and like eats your dinner and but, his dinner and everyone's food. But he
1: has a, he has an insane sweet tooth. So like if he has the opportunity to eat the peanut butter cup, I think he'll like most which kids.
2: is okay. Yeah, and what you can do for him too is to try to incorporate that sweet preference into other things. Like my daughter or both of them really love. Mini chocolate chips. And so, like, say you make peanut butter toast, you can put a couple mini chocolate chips on top. So, for him, yeah. it's like satisfying that need, but it doesn't always have to be like a dessert.
0: Yeah. I'm like riding his high of food right now. Like, he'll eat anything and everything, and it's amazing. So, I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy this for as long as I can yes. because even before, I made like Starbucks copycat, like egg bite cup things yesterday. And we were giving to him before and he had like four of them. And Jordan's like, I don't want to give him another. I'm like, he's actually eating. This This is like healthy fat and protein. Like I'd I'd rather him be eating these. And then when you came back upstairs, I made, I made copycat, like little bites, blueberry muffins. And he had three of those. So like, clearly he's just in a growth spurt where like, he can't stop eating.
1: He's literally eating more food than I do. Yeah.
0: He's (laughs) eating a lot. Uh, I feel like when he turned maybe like 20 months, like 18, 20 months, he got a lot easier. With food, which was that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah
2: that's not often what you hear. So
0: no, whatever it is, easy, we'll just hope it keeps going. <laughs> when Brody got easy, Ezra got tough. So they like swapped. Yeah, was... you're like, thanks guys. And
1: then we, we had a lot of inquiries about like expanding um, toddlers' palates. And maybe you just walk us through like if there is a proven method that works to kind of get them to eat more foods. And then also like, is it so bad if they're not so expanded in their palate if they like you know a handful of vegetables and protein and and fiber
2: yeah so there is a good way to help expand them but also just to ease people's fears about it like it's not the end of the world if they are not super adventurous it can be hard not to compare yourself when you see i follow this one girl on instagram and her kids are always eating like salmon sushi and all this stuff and i'm like I wish my kids would, but like, that's okay that my kids don't eat sushi. They eat plenty of other things that are good for them. So like you're allowed to let them have preferences. And even as adults, some of us are not super adventurous eaters, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. So it, and usually as they get older, they will get more adventurous. My brother was the pickiest eater as a kid and he's a professional chef now and will literally eat any food, anything. So it's never too late, but in terms of expanding them, usually the best way to do it is to take like the tiniest steps possible. So food chaining is kind of the actual term for it, but you're gonna take something they like and make such a small tweak that it doesn't feel like a big thing because the big change is scary and we wanna really tune into their, um, their comfort zone where they feel safe and not make it feel like a big leap. So for example, if they like pasta, like you might start with, but they only like it plain. I would start with one drop of tomato sauce stirred in. Literally, like you're starting that small. It feels pretty annoying because you're like, I don't want to have to yeah. every day add like one more drop of sauce. But if you can just think about like making those really small changes, maybe you go from a regular tortilla to a whole wheat tortilla or you go from macaroni noodles to ditalini noodles, like making those small changes is what further gets you like on your path to bigger ones. If they like red apples, try a yellow apple before we jump to a different fruit. So really thinking about the small chain, I do all of this in my course, Simple Steps to Picky Wins. And I have exact lists of like, if they like this food, Mm -hmm. this is what you'll do next to help people so that you won't have to constantly be
0: thinking about it because it's exhausting. It is exhausting. Because like with Brody particularly, like he is very opinionated at like with what he wants, but he's he just turned two. Like he doesn't know, he can't say like, mommy, I'm in the mood for salmon tonight. Or I'm not in the mood for salmon tonight, but like, for example, last week I picked up some salmon at the fish market. Brody does not like fish, so I don't ever like include him in the fish count because like, why well, I don't want it to waste. I don't want to waste yeah. food. So we got the fish, we grill it, we put it on the plate. Bro- Ezra, who loves salmon, won't touch it. And Brody's eating all of the salmon. And I'm like, well, how do I know if you actually don't like something or if you just like aren't in the mood at that age? Like, do you, are there any like cues or things that you can keep an eye out for? Because on the opposite end of the spectrum, ever since Ezra was like seven months when I introduced eggs to him, the kid will not touch an egg. Like he has like an aversion to scrambled eggs and I just respect it. Like he will I'll be eating fried eggs. He's like, that's disgusting. Like he just can't stand (laughs) it. So I know like, don't give Ezra eggs, but with Brody, like It's either just like a hit or miss. Like, how do you know when to like entertain that?
2: Yeah. So if they do seem hit or miss in general, then I would keep trying stuff. And even if it seems like they don't like something, I honestly would still keep doing those like teeny tiny servings of it. Mm Signs that we have a bigger problem would be that like they are gagging or vomiting with new foods. So like having a really extreme reaction, they can't tolerate something being on their plate. Like these are signs that something bigger is going on and they're having a really strong reaction to those foods. If they just don't like it, like we can still learn to have manners and say, no, thank you. To that and just not eat it at that time like you don't have to feel like you can't serve something to them because they might not like it like you can still try um but again, like you might say after four years they're not eating eggs and like okay, maybe they just don't like it. that's fine. but it's really hard to know like if they literally don't like it or, They just don't feel like it at that time. They can even say, I don't like this and not mean it (laughs) just like even more frustrating because it might just mean I'm tired or I'm not hungry right now or I'm just not in the mood for that. Like it doesn't always even mean I don't like it. So basically our job is really impossible.
1: (laughs) You had a good hack, though, for the eggs, because like Ezra love like he'll eat things that the egg is mixed in. He just won't eat them plain. I think you posted something about like putting it in French toast, like, so you still get all the nutrients behind it, but totally. it's just not in like its original form, which of those are really good.
0: He'll have it like good, in like a yeah. baked good, but for example, if yeah. bake, like a quesadilla or like a breakfast taco with eggs, like he won't eat it like that. Like he can't know about the, like see, he could know about the egg, but he can't see the egg.
2: Yeah. And sometimes it's texture too. Sometimes there's just textures that they like or don't like, and you can kind of, figure that out. Like my son loves anything that's smoothie or putting consistency. Like so I know like he likes cottage cheese, he likes yogurt, he likes smoothies. But um something that like the eggs, you know, maybe it's just a texture thing for him. Um and so you find different ways. But some kids really like hard boiled eggs. I find have you tried hard boiled eggs?
1: Um like in egg salad form. Like are you saying just give them the whole egg? Yeah,
0: like we hmm. could try it. I'll try yeah, anything with them. i
1: try that, but I would try <laughs> egg salad. But.
0: The hardest part, though, is like the food waste. Like, how do you do You have any tips for like minimizing the food waste of like your kid? Like, I just feel like you always have like half eaten things. And then sometimes it's easy to like repurpose it. And sometimes it's like I just have no choice to but to like either we suck it up and eat it or like we throw it out.
2: Yeah, that's why I like to do those small servings of something. Because then it's like, oh, they didn't eat the tiny little blueberry size of something. Whatever. I can throw that away and not feel guilty about it. So um, I usually recommend starting with about a tablespoon of each food per year of age, unless it's a new food. So if there are two, you know, we're not putting a ton of... A lot of people just don't really think about portion sizes for young kids. Like we just kind of plate stuff up. (laughs) Well, <laughs> you're looking at each Rich other.
0: <laughs> yeah, continue.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, But I see a lot of parents who put way too much food on kids' plates. So that's something to be mindful too. They can always have more. And it's always a good thing for them to learn how to ask for more. So it's a good opportunity for them to speak up. Sometimes you're just going to throw stuff away
0: and it's really frustrating. But like, I think it just comes with the territory. So in the mornings, Jordan goes downstairs with Ezra and Brody, and then we have uh, an 11 week old. So I'm usually upstairs like nursing Cooper and whatever, and I'll come downstairs and like the amount of yogurt that Jordan puts in a bowl is like for himself, but like for (laughs) our kids. And every day there's so much excess yogurt in the bowl. And it just, you know, your kids come home from school, they're sick, there's viruses like we had norovirus in our house last week. Like I'm not saving their yogurt for later in these types of instances. Um, but the other day, like now that we're hopefully in the clear, I actually used leftover breakfast yogurt and put it in muffins like that I made yesterday. Yeah. But I always tell Jordan, like give him like two spoonfuls of yogurt and I'd rather them like, I'd rather you refill a bowl 10 times than us have another Tupperware of leftover breakfast.
1: Well, I mean, I, I used to do that where I'd give them start small and then keep refilling, but then it got to the point where they just kept asking for more. So I thought I got to a point where I knew <laughs> the serving size and then they get sick, you know, in the last no, nah, kids. four months, they've been sick every other week with something else that throws off their appetite. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but-, but going back to that point, like, I think I always struggled that struggled with it with our first son was just like, how much is enough food? And like, when do you know if they're full, if they just keep asking for more?
2: Yeah. So it's actually very similar to how, you know, with a baby. So, you know, with nursing, like they can decide when they're done, they intuitively know how much they need. And kids can do that too, as long as they're not eating with a bunch of distractions. They don't have an adult telling them how much to eat. And if we kind of let them listen to their body, they usually can tell. So unless they're showing signs of being full, which is like, you know, getting up from the table, which again, doesn't always mean that they're full. They might just be getting up. But um, if they are asking for more, I always recommend giving them more. You don't have to decide like three eggs sounds like a crazy amount for a two-year-old. Like it's fine. They want more eggs. You can give them more eggs. If they want more of their bagel, you can give them more of their bagel. So really just letting them decide. But again, that comes with like having those set meals and snacks throughout the day, because if they're grazing all day long, that's going to be thrown way off and it's so much harder. They usually don't eat until they're full if they're doing that. So I really encourage parents to have those kind of set meal times so that they do get the message of like, this is when I
0: eat until I'm full. I think Ezra and Brody are professional grazers. Like, so are we. <laughs> we graze all day like we're just that's yeah but like we have a big like pantry that's a room has like a sliding door and you know I tried to do like when we organized it make independent so like they could open the drawer and like pick out their snack but it kind of backfires to where like Brody opens a drawer and like eats sprinkles or like bites into a meat stick and breaks the plastic open um (laughs) but they like they snack all day every day like yeah yeah that's not probably not that cute I think once Maybe once Brody's older and he has more of a schedule, I guess maybe it would help. But like he doesn't go to school. So like he cut like, I don't know. He doesn't have like a set time. I think our nanny keeps him on a decent schedule, actually, with food. I was going to say, they, do.
1: they definitely have a breakfast, lunch and dinner each day. Where they but they do have
0: snack time.
1: It's oh, just... always snack time. Well, I know. <laughs> they're always snacking. it's
0: hard. Well, and I feel like it's
2: kind of like a Montessori thing that you see of encouraging that independence. Uh, but they're really just not mature enough to know like, oops. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make you feel bad. Like as so many people do it. And I see all these beautiful snack drawers on social media and I'm like, wow, that looks so good. But um, I just prefer to tell them like, there's this whole thing of the division of responsibility of eating. It was created by Ellen Satter. She's a genius. And so what she says is that parents decide when the meal is served and what you're having. And then the child decides if and how much to eat. So it's really should be our responsibility to decide the when and then their independence comes in with how much they're eating and being able to decide when they're full. But it should really be in our realm to decide when it's appropriate.
0: And even like what they're eating. So when like what if like as like I'm hungry, I want a snack. Is it okay to say like great. You can have a banana or you can have some pretzels. Like I'm just making that up. But or should you like, what do you recommend allowing them to go into the pantry and pick something like of they want? He's four.
2: Yeah, that's you can decide what feels comfortable to you at that point. I think if they're like two, you'd probably want to just give them two options. But if you have all stuff in there that you're comfortable with him having for a snack, then there's no reason why you can't okay. let him have a choice there. Cause um, you ultimately decided what, cause you bought it. Right.
0: So, yeah. And I'm pretty like, I don't want to say like strict, but like, I, I'm very like ingredient focused, like in the comfort of our own home. So like, if it's something yeah. that's like, and he has celiac. So like, you know, we're pretty like cognizant over ingredients in general. So if there's something that like I bring into the house, they can eat it. And like the stuff that I don't want them to eat. they like, I like to eat because it's hypocritical. Like I just saw <laughs> that there's spinach high, in it. It's
1: high up. Or out of reach.
0: Like my Yasso ch- pops. I'm like, you're not eating my Yasso pops. <laughs> my kids day. are obsessed with those. Same. They, I
2: I even try to hide them in the freezer. Like, I think I need to get a just
0: a box that says, you know, spinach or
2: something and put <laughs> yeah. them in there.
0: I know. <laughs> I know. And I like the mint ones. And it started as like a pregnancy craving and it's continued. I actually don't have any left right now. And I'm already like not looking forward to later. <laughs> um, but I I just tell her, I'm like, you know, it's green because it, he loves mint chocolate chip ice cream. I'm like, no, it has spinach in it to like turn him <laughs> off. I'm an a-hole. I'm like, no, you're not having these. I know. But those
2: are not cheap. And- <laughs> oh. I want those for myself. So exactly. Every, yeah.
0: like, everything else is fair game. Just don't touch yeah. my Oso and my favorite <laughs> granola flavors. Mm,
1: it's true. Um, just going back to like mealtime behavior, um, like two things that we've experienced with our toddlers is food throwing and like not wanting to sit at a table and eat and like rather like eat and run around. Are there any tips or tricks to kind of like help combat some of that behavior?
2: Yeah. So one thing is just our expectations of how long they can reasonably sit. And a lot of young kids is like five minutes as the max that we're really expecting them to sit and hold that attention at the table. So I personally don't have a problem with kids like getting up and coming back. Um Within reason, some people are really like, you must stay at the table. But I think for young kids, it's pretty normal for them to want to get up and come back. And so I personally think it's okay, but it can get frustrating if you're like, I just need you to eat and then we need to go do something else. (laughs) Like, can we not drag this on forever? But so one thing that helps with kids staying at the table is I have this still, my kids are five and eight, and we still have an exercise band on the legs of the chair. So that they can just like kick the band or, you know, put their feet in there. So it's kind of like they're getting some movement while they're sitting there, but like keeps them in place. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that really helps. Um, Another thing that can help is bringing a small toy to the table, even if it's like a little figurine, even better, because then they can like feed their little doll or whatever. Um, And that can help keep their attention at the table. I don't like having screens at meals, though I definitely do it on occasion, probably more than on occasion, to be honest. (laughs) But like um, that is one that can hold their interest, but then kind of makes them disconnect with their eating. And so I don't love it as an every meal kind of thing Um, in terms of the throwing I think that telling them beforehand what you expect is helpful to say, here's your no thank you bowl and you can put what you don't want in this bowl and then not giving attention to the behavior that you don't like. So if they are picking it up to throw, you can be like put your food back in your on your tray or put it in your no thank you bowl, but not making like a big reaction when they do throw because then that's exciting and that's fun. And they've got mom or dad's attention. Um, so giving them a place to put food that they don't want and then really like reinforcing that of, oh, my gosh, you put it in your no thank you bowl. I'm so proud of you really putting the focus on the good is helpful.
0: What, like what age can you really start a lot of these practices? Like over the age of three or four, like Brody is not going to like understand the No, thank you. Well, he understands when we're pissed off and he's throwing (laughs) at us. But if like I said that he'd be like, huh, mommy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I honestly have seen, so their um, receptive language is better than a lot of times we realize. And so you can start trying, even if he doesn't totally get it right away. Like, I think even a one year old, I've seen people do this with one year old, two year olds, Um, even if it's just like on his high chair tray, one, you know, usually has like the cup section, not every high chair tray does, but being able to show them and you can put your hand over their hand and show them putting it there. It takes work. I'm not saying it's like they're going to get it right away, but if it's something that keeps happening, then I would dedicate that meal to sitting right with them and saying, Okay, I see you're about to throw. I'm going to help you put it here. Yay, you put it there. So, yeah, I mean, with toddlers, they're just always going to be up to
0: something. (laughs) It's like (laughs) always exhausting. Always. So I personally don't like vegetables. Like I don't like to eat vegetables. I'm not a very like well-balanced, but you love sweet potato fries. I know that from your stories.
1: Oh my God. The whole world probably knows that
0: <laughs> Japanese sweet potatoes. And I just like really have a deep connection, but I also had gestational diabetes with the three of my pregnancies. Oh. So like I could eat a chocolate chip cookie while pregnant and not spike so my blood sugar but the second i would eat like a bagel toast or sweet potatoes my blood sugar was through the roof so and you know like breastfeeding just it's like you're training for a marathon so i feel like it's like the carbohydrates and everything but i eat like literally one to two of them every day they're my favorite things <laughs> ever depending on like the size of the and, potato and
1: they have to be fresh and they
0: have to be fresh so, like i bake so it, every it every day every <laughs> day but I like them room temperature. Like I don't like them oh. hot and I don't like them cold. I it's like I'm a sociopath. So anyways, no,
1: I think you're just a you're just maybe you're a picky eater.
0: I'm not picky. <laughs> i <in> particular, <laughs> you know, but I am like the queen of hiding vegetables in food. And it's not like I keep I don't like hide vegetables to keep it a secret. Like I told Ezra that he was eating um like for like, I know egg isn't a vegetable but like I told him that he was having eggs in his dessert as I was eating eggs and he told me it was disgusting like I'm very open about it like I'll put spinach or zucchini in the meatballs or whatever but sometimes the people are like well I don't believe in hiding vegetables and food I'm like well it's not a secret but like if there's a way to like put it in there like is that like what do you how do you recommend approaching the whole like yeah budget? you're
2: approaching it the right way. You're not lying about it. That's the main thing is if we are lying to them about what's in their food, it can cause them to distrust us and then get even pickier. But you're not lying. You're telling him exactly what's in there. And I recommend doing that. I say, stay very neutral about it. Like my son from the time he was up at the counter with me as a one-year-old, we put spinach in our smoothies and I didn't have to say like, this is a vegetable, you know, it's just, this is another ingredient that goes into our smoothie. Um, so making it kind of just normalized is fine. And, um, they usually don't like the taste. Like vegetables can be very bitter and kids are hardwired to prefer sweet tasting things. Breast milk is sweet. They are born that way. And fruit also has the same nutrients. Like, yes, it's higher in sugar, but it's natural sugar and all the vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, all those good things that you want from vegetables. It's all in fruit too. So Usually kids like fruit better. We can go ahead and feel really good about serving the fruit. And with the veggies, it's going to take more time. And it's okay to, like you're doing, you know, incorporate it into other things. I blended up vegetables into like a broth the other day because my kids won't eat little pieces of vegetable in a soup. Like you can do that.
1: That was actually a good idea to freeze it and then like microwave it into the rice. So
2: Yes. You saw that? Yeah. It was, was good. I felt like a genius. That
1: one. <laughs> um, so like what if it's like a what if it's a color aversion for them? Like, you know, people are like, Oh, I, I don't want anything green. Um
0: Yeah, we're so, all wearing green right now, but like what if you have an aversion <laughs> to the color green. So you know, you,
1: you blend broccoli or you blend, blend spinach, like it's gonna turn it into a different color, even mm-hmm. if you are upfront about it being in there. Um, any tips or tricks?
2: That's when we already go back to that pea-sized serving of offering it, not forcing it, and just kind of trying to introduce it. Trying to get them involved with making it with you can sometimes make it feel less scary. But yeah, like if my kid finds a speck of green in the bowl of rice, like, no, that's not okay. So I, I get it. And at the end of the day, like a green fruit is also going to provide good things too. Yeah. So... If they're really not okay with green, like we can, we can let it go.
0: Like our kids basically cute, keep cucumber farms or cucumber farms, yeah, like in business. Like we <laughs> eat so many cucumbers in this house, like that's green. But like we, I made these green smoothie muffins, and when I shared the recipe, I even said like, don't put a lot of spinach. Like just like I had Ezra do it. Like he took it out of the bag and put it in the the blender, and he ate the muffins completely, like okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I think Ezra's spinach thing is like when it's sautéed. I think it's a consistency thing for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For him, I think everything is a consistency.
2: My kids will eat raw spinach leaves.
0: That's like Brody. I'm like, okay. But yeah, yeah, cooked? No, no, no. So interesting. Um, When it comes to packing school lunches, right now, like I, I love doing like the week of seeing what actually came home in the lunchbox and like what was enjoyed. And ezra has been pretty tough with his lunches recently, it could be because of his stomach viruses and not feeling too well. But if he's like having a very like snacky phase, like, do you recommend catering to that and literally packing a snack box as a bento box? Or do you just keep packing like whatever the sandwich or main of the lunches? And if it comes home, it comes home. Or how do you know that they're not like going hungry at school?
2: Yeah. If you notice that there are certain things that are more of a sure thing with school, I would pack it. The main thing that I care about at school is that them having the energy to get through their day. And it can be a lot as a little kid. Like it's just hard. You're away from your parents and um, there's a lot of things happening. So I really prioritize them getting fed over it being like the most nutritious thing in the world. And so it's also really stimulating to be there. And a lot of kids have time, just have a hard time really eating a good lunch at school. So if he is eating those more like snacky things, I think that is fine. Um, You can't always predict what they're going to eat in their lunch and whatnot. So I usually tend to overpack a little bit with lunch to say like, I don't expect them to eat all of this, but at least I have a couple options for them so that I know if they Pick this, but not that. Like they're still gonna get a decent amount of food. So yeah, I I really say, like, with lunch, they're not with you. Let's just focus on what's gonna get them fed.
0: Yeah. Cause I also try to now like put like meat sticks in there or things that are packaged because I hate when they comes home and then it's been opened. It's like you put the lunchbox at his school, like in the re- like they put it in a the refrigerator, then they take it out. So it's like while well, the temperature changes, like you really can't save. Yeah. A lot of the food that comes back and it like pains me when like it's not eaten. Oh, my um, gosh.
2: Same. My kids were into these like yogurt drinks for a while. And some days my son just wouldn't even open it. And I'm like,
0: I am throwing honestly. away three dollars. Right <laughs> yes. yeah. It drives me crazy. So I'm like, I'm giving you packaged stuff because I'd rather eat, like and sometimes this teacher will like keep it at school. So like if he's hungry, like she's like an Ezra bag because. I don't really like the snacks at the school. He's in a threes program. So like I don't really mm-hmm. like the snacks that they serve every day. So like I pack him snacks. So she has so she'll keep like extra ones as like his Ezra bag and stuff. So nothing will go to waste. But it drives me nuts. Like he we made him these like crispy nuggets yesterday, which is usually a must. And it comes home and he didn't eat any of them. And it's like I we know. had to throw them out like they're they looked gross.
2: Yeah. Well, and you put all this effort into it too. And especially sometimes when I'm like, oh, she's going to love this. I put mac and cheese in her lunch. I'm like the best mom.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> that came home yeah. last week.
1: We literally had chicken nugget or nuggets yesterday. I'm just yeah. like, oh man.
0: Drives me nuts. I know. I know.
1: What about um, dealing with family members, like unsolicited comments when it comes to feeding?
2: Oh, my gosh. I'm
1: sure this could be like a whole nother podcast.
2: Oh, yes. The things I've heard people tell me about their parents, a lot of times it's like somebody's mom or mother-in-law. It's always my mom.
0: (laughs) It's always Evelyn calling her out. Remember in Florida when she literally like Brody like loves fruit and she would be he'd be eating fruit. She's like, all he eats is fruit. That's why he has loose poop. Or it's eight o'clock. You're giving him crackers. I'm like, I'm giving him almond flour crackers. Like I'm not giving him a candy cane.
2: Yes. You
0: know? Oh my god. So gosh. besides telling my mom to shut the F up, like what yeah. do you do?
2: It's really frustrating. I think if it's somebody who you're with really infrequently, I usually let it go. Like if it's a holiday yeah. or something. I mean, if it's extremely offensive, of course, say something. But if it's just kind of something that you're like, oh, like shut up, then usually I'd say let it go. But if they're with them, really, if you're with them often and this is happening a lot, then I usually say whatever whoever is the closest person to them. So, like, if it's your mom, you would lead that conversation. Um, and to be able to say, like, you know, I'm I'm trying really hard to feed them well, and um, it upsets me when I hear you say blank. You know, trying to take it away from the actual mealtime situation and having like a calm conversation with them where you're like, listen, our, our goal is the same to raise this healthy, happy kid, but it's not helpful when you say blank. Um, you know, those conversations are never easy to have, like depending on your relationship with the family, but, um, I think making sure that your kids know if they're old enough to hear these comments, making sure that you check in with them. Because I've heard countless women tell me about these really upsetting things that people said to them when they were a kid about being a little piggy or things like that that stick with them for their whole life. So as a parent, making sure you're not saying those kinds of things to your kid, but then also really following back up with them to make sure they know that that's not true, what they heard about themselves.
0: Oh, I like that because it really does stick with you. Like I remember comments from when I was a kid around food and like, I try to be like very cognizant of what I say to Ezra more so at, at his age. Cause like, you must've learned something at school about the term healthy And when I, before I was a mom, I definitely was like, oh, like these are super clean ingredients. This is healthy. And then when I had kids, I really like stopped saying that and phrasing things like that because I don't want to give my kids a complex and he'll be like, oh yeah, mom, this is healthy. Right. Like who even said that to you? Like, yeah,
1: yeah. you or I don't.
0: Yeah. Like I don't talk like that. I'm like, does it make you feel good? Yeah. But great. Then eat it. Like, but he'll be like, oh, this is this healthy. Like, why are you saying that to me? I know. I
2: think they do that at school because my kids came home asking me the same thing. Like, is this a healthy choice? Is this a healthy choice? And it's hard because the schools have such a wide variety of kids. Like your household is one that uses fresh ingredients and cares about that. But there could be kids households where you see these studies where like kids don't even know how to identify all the vegetables because they've never seen them. So I think it's a really hard thing for schools to handle because you have kids coming from all different backgrounds, but do I think they could handle it better? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think my favorite question that we haven't asked you yet is, um, you know, with all the things that go on with life, like raising toddlers, there's so many ways to kind of get off track in terms of, you know, offering them all these great meals three times a day with snacks in between. So like if you do get into a habit of doing maybe some things that you don't want in terms of feeding them, you know, what are some ways to kind of break bad habits and sort of get back onto a path where they're, you know, getting exposure to all the different foods that they should be?
2: Yeah, I think every day is a chance for a fresh start. And like parenting is just so hard and all consuming that you're never going to do it perfectly. So one is like we need to relieve ourselves of any guilt about how we did it yesterday or last month. Like I think when my daughter was a newborn, I think I gave my son like the same granola bar for breakfast every single day and I felt really bad about that, but it's like you are in survival mode, Casey. Like it's fine. Um I think the best thing that you can do is really By just taking small steps and adding a fruit or a vegetable to every meal. Like, if that's literally the only thing you do, and even if you start with just one meal, that is such an amazing thing you can do for your kids. There's so much power in fruit and vegetables. Like, as a dietitian, I'm just like, please, please eat the fruits and veggies. So, I think that, like, whether you're still gonna drive through Chick fil A for dinner, that's fine. But like make sure that at lunch you gave them some clementines with it or when you get home you're also giving them some fruit like you can turn any meal into positive by adding those fruits and veggies so that's what i would say and like don't try to do a complete overhaul of your life because we know that's never going to work there's so many good choices of packaged things and shortcut things like I have a whole guide based on that of like how you can not spend more than 15 minutes and still give them really nutritious options. So there are good things out there. Um, you don't have to make everything homemade for it to be really good.
0: What is your go-to meal for your like go-to meal for your family that you know your kids will eat right now? It could be like two or three different things, but like, it's like a safety meal. Yes,
2: totally like taco night or burrito bowl night, anything that's sort of like assemble yourself, where we have some different options of toppings and things. There has to be a grain or pasta, something like that. That I know if they're even just going to eat that plain, like that's what they will eat. But I can put on the cilantro and the black beans and whatever it is that I want so that I'm happy. And my kids will just eat the components of that. So that's like, Always my go-to, and my son has been so into tacos lately that <laughs> it's it. I know like Taco Tuesday is cliche, but like we live or die by Taco Tuesday.
1: Nice, yeah. Ezra got introduced to the burrito maybe like two months ago, and now it's like become his like favorite food is a burrito. That's but awesome. <laughs> Rachel made burritos yesterday, but like did like a broken down one, like
0: a burrito bowl. And he like yeah. came da-
1: He like came downstairs for his dinner, and he's like where's the like he was expecting like in a wrap and i'm like (laughs) i decided to explain to him that you know it's without the tortilla and then it's like once he actually tried it he realized that it's delicious so he didn't complain but i I was like oh boy this this could be a ticking time bomb right here
0: i made like freezer like mini kids burritos for the freezer like as like a meal prep hack and so i froze all the burritos to like test them to make sure that like they're going to be good today so I just gave him like the leftover ingredients and he was very thrown off that there it wasn't like wrapped in a in a tortilla. Why did um, you do that to him? Yeah, I'm just sabotaging <laughs> him. You. Horrible, horrible, horrible parent. How could you? <laughs> do you give in to boredom eating? Like when Ezra was little, or younger, he's still a little like younger, he loved to just eat to eat. And like even Brody, like he'll want like three to four Clementines at once. Like, do you ever say no to your kids? Like you've had enough?
2: Yeah, especially if it's snack time, I might be like, all right, you know, let's cut this off here because I want you to have an appetite for dinner. Um, And I will use it as a tool, though. Like if we're traveling on an airplane, give me all the snacks, pack my backpack full of snacks and you eat those at your leisure. So I think that it can be used as a tool, but something that I've recently pulled back out for my kids is I have this printable that has these cute little teddy bears on it and they each have a different size, like black circle on their belly. I'm trying to describe this so people can visualize it, but it's basically like one bear's belly is empty. He's really hungry. And then... On the other side is the one who's really full. So I use this to talk to my kids about hunger and fullness so that when they do randomly ask me for a snack and I'm like, I don't know that they really are hungry right now. We'll talk about like, which belly do you have? How does your belly feel? So that they can start to really tune into like those hunger and fullness because hunger is not a bad thing. I think a lot of times we tend to respond to it like an emergency And it's really not. It's a cue. I mean, obviously, we don't want them starving to the point of they're going to pass out. But most of our kids are very well fed. And so, like, we don't have to feed them the second they get hungry. But a lot of times we do because we can (laughs) and that becomes the routine
1: yeah like I think I I just get nervous when they always ask for all these snacks I just feel like it's developing these like habits where then they're just gonna like on demand want things all the time and like if you don't offer them what they want then you know it could turn into a tantrum and then it'll be like you know that then you want them to eat a proper meal and then they're not gonna eat it and kind of falls into this grazing pattern that we're talking about before
2: yeah, I mean it's it's hard and especially with people's schedules and being on the go too, sometimes it just has to be that way, but um sometimes if kids really love snacks and you feel like it's getting thrown off, I usually recommend bringing one of those snack foods to the meal. So it kind of like the same way we talked about bringing the dessert, dessert blah, bringing the dessert to the meal, you can do that with snacks too. It doesn't have to be like we only have meal foods at mealtime and we only have snack foods at snack time. Kind of like you were talking about with the snack lunch in his lunchbox.
0: I also feel like with fruit, I just like, don't care how much they eat. Like I have the four clementines. Like, is that really going to fill you up? No. Uh, like, I'm not going to, no, don't. Like, I love
1: it. Cause I always stop it too. I'm like, all right, Brody, go, go, go find <laughs> something. Like, go, go find this something big, else. Like, I'm tired of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. His poop is the size of four clementines. You know, it's like, oh, I, right right
1: now, it's just like, like, come on, that's enough.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're you're done with peeling the clementines. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree on the fruit too. Unless it's to a point where you're like, this is going to give you diarrhea. Like I have to kid- yeah. cut my kids off with watermelon because <laughs> that's going to be a thing. Well, also, I don't even want that in
0: my house because it makes the best.
1: <laughs> I, I went grocery <laughs> shopping with the kids this weekend and Ezra always picks out watermelon. So I bought them like one of the mini ones. And then Rachel wasn't with us, and she walked home. And like the counter was, you know, covered in the covered in the, <laughs> the kids the, counter, were...
0: <laughs> the new white shirt that still had a tag on it was the kid, covered. <laughs> the
1: kids were completely covered. I was like, oh boy, yeah, this, this is a bad life choice <laughs> now,
0: my last question is a little bit about still so about meal time. So if my kids eat dinner and they eat dessert, and then they're still hungry, cool to still give them, like a snack after, like, if they ate everything, because the we're just like, are you at-? Like, bro- like bro? This is really Brody. He just keeps eating at night. And like, is your dinner not large enough for you? Yeah. Like, I don't like he just will like go grab a meat sale. He'll grab crackers. He'll grab like something. What already- time do you guys do dinner? And what time is bed? He eats like- the dinner between like five and five forty five. He's right. the type of kid who like can't sit for more than five minutes. So he does get up and he goes back and our nanny literally follows him with a spoon. Um, so
1: it takes him like a half an hour,
0: like a half an hour. Then he has dessert at like 6:15, six fifteen. Yeah. six and then it would Light, be like
1: lights uh, out by seven
2: seven thirty. you got to okay. And he's wanting food in between that. always like
1: between between like six fifteen and seven fifteen. yeah, if we're downstairs by the kitchen, he'll con- consistently just keep and he eats us it. things to 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 offer him, but like
0: he's not food. wasting it. like he fully like, want he's like hungry. Yeah. Well then maybe with
2: your dessert you bring him something else too that's okay. a little bit more filling. Like does he like, like Greek yogurt or cheese yeah. or I mean yogurt. I mean, he even
0: loves but. like the Serenity Kids pouches. Like he'll yeah. eat like two pouches. Like he's just like he's eating like like nutritious food. He's just like constantly hungry at that hour. Like he's like a nighttime eater. Yeah.
2: I I would never say to like just cut them off because I do want them to get enough to eat. And if that kind to that seems to be his pattern. Like it's okay. Um, I don't like sending kids to bed hungry. I have done it occasionally when I've really felt like I needed to say like, you had your chance to eat and you chose not to. And now you're waiting until the second before bedtime to tell me that you're hungry. Like, I'm sorry, but no, you can eat tomorrow. I feel bad. Like my husband doesn't feel Mm -hmm. as bad as I do, but I'm like, I can't do it to them. Um, But sometimes I'm like, I just got to teach you that lesson. But that wasn't until my son was probably like five. So when I feel like they can really understand it when they're younger like just let the kid eat but just don't turn it into like dessert all night you know yeah yeah so i should stop at
0: the two peanut butter cups probably he's like mommy dis i'm like okay sweetheart
1: yeah ezra <laughs> she'll tell no all day but brody just looks at you and you <laughs> you melt <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's hard. just he's a cooperative child he was head down he slid out of me Ezra was four weeks early and it's been a bad out of hell since then so you know each kid has well, their, has their uh, yes personalities. So, if you have to leave the listeners with one piece of advice for them and their picky eater or eaters, what would it be?
2: It would be oh man, just one. I think it's to be kind to yourself. I think we have these expectations, and we can really feel down on ourselves with as parents, depending on how our kids are eating. There's always tomorrow, and like. I just want people to know that it's not your fault. This isn't going to harm them for the rest of their lives. And you can always make one change tomorrow, but like you're doing a really good job and you're working really hard and it's just impossible to be
0: perfect. I love that. Thank you. Casey, you're amazing. Can you tell everyone where they could find you? and all about your guides and things you always talk about. and like, I need to get some of these guides. You
2: can find me at Mama Knows nutrition.com. I have a blog there that answers every single question you could ever want to ask about feeding your toddlers and your little kids. And then on Instagram, TikTok, at Mama Knows Nutrition, I have a meal and snack survival guide, which I talked about a little bit, but it's basically breakfast, lunch, dinners, snacks, all the things, but with shortcuts. So those 10 five-minute meals even that you know you're getting something really good in them, but you're not spending all day in the kitchen. And then I have a picky eater course called Simple Steps to Picky Wins, which is just taking you little by little, step by step to getting them eating new foods and really reversing picky eating.
0: Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so so much. Thank
2: you, guys.